and welcome to another episode of the Pop Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Linz. And I'm Lee. And this time, we're also joined by Phil Moore, who you may know best as the energetic and musical host of Nick Arcade. Excellent. Yes, I'm excited. So he's back with a new project called Nth Level, which is the spiritual successor to Nick Arcade. This is going to be a good one. I can feel it. I, I agree. All right. Well, enough of us. Let's get right into it. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Obviously, a lot of exciting things going on for you right now. Tell us about the new project. The new project, Nth Level, is uh, well, it's it's an interesting genesis. Um, it's a project in which James Bethea and Karim Metev, who were uh, the original creators of Nick Arcade, um, they had an idea about utilizing today's technology and doing something now. And it really came from, honestly, the fans. We did, a, we did an event two years ago in New York, which was like a classic Nickelodeon kind of reunion uh, to celebrate the book um, Slime. And uh, we thought we were going to show up and maybe there'd be maybe, you know, five, six, 700 people tops. And it was like 5,000 people standing room only. The fire marshal had to cut people off, not allow them to come in. And it was an event in which, you know, it was a whole bunch of people from, like, Nick in the 90s. And, and they actually had some people there from, uh, uh, you know, the, the beginning, the genesis. You can't do that on TV and stuff. Right. And when we started sharing our stories, like, it was like, it was like a, a combination family reunion slash high school reunion. And when we start talking about things that we keep getting asked all the time, like Mark Summers and I had our own things about like how back in the day when we would see fans, we'd, we'd have to get down on one knee and say, how are you? Now our fans are bigger than we are and they pick <laughs> us up and say, you know? Um, but when I was talking to James and Karim, who I've stayed in contact with, but really have only seen maybe three or four times over the last 20 years, when we started sharing our own stories about like what has been living in, in, in the shadow of this, this really awesome show, we realized that we keep hearing from people all the time, dude, with like the Xbox One, with the PS4, with motion captures, with that, you know, thing you put on your face and you can virtually, you know, work, virtual world. So can you imagine like what arcade would look like if it were done today? And when we, when we, we all said it and it was like, it's the, it's like the number, number two thing that said to us, when we when we're running the, when we run into fans and people who used to watch the show, so I left New York and I went on back to California. But those two guys like put their brains together and they're still techno techno dudes. I mean, they're like they're like they're like Sheldon and Leonard on The Big Bang Theory, literally. Nice. <laughs> I got a phone call from these guys. They're like, "Hey Phil, what about you want to put a band back together?" I'm like, "To do what?" So they told me about Nth Level. And Nth Level is literally, Nick Arcade used to boast, we put you inside of a video game. Nth Level uses that technology that I talked about and, no, surrounds you with a video world and you are now immersed in an environment. Um, Think, for example, you know, again, how they put on the headgear and you look around and all of a sudden you're in a world. Now, imagine that technology and combining it with the way people do online gaming. So you can talk to somebody or, you know, you can sit next to somebody and have your headset on and you can communicate stuff. So now all of a sudden your face is, is in a character body running around wearing a mech suit, you know, toting a weapon and your contestant that you're playing against is the dude that's in front of you and you see his or her face and they have their weapon and you are battling it out and of course you know accumulating scores and in the end of the day whoever got the most whatever 
is determined the winner and moves on to the next round. So now you're not looking at your TV. It's like you and I looking at each other right now, except right. you are an epic warrior and I'm an epic wizard, and we're yielding our weapons at each other to either fight each other or beat a particular villain. Like Again, look at us right now looking at each other. But imagine if I was wearing this awesome mech suit with, like, you know, <laughs> robot arms and I had some type of staff. And it's, instead of us looking like we look right now and we're actually playing a game. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot more immersive and less green screen kind of stuff. It's no green screen. That's the thing that's crazy. Really? There's screen. When you enter into the game, it's going to be the gear that you're wearing, the controller that you have in your hand, and the rest will be a totally immersive experience, uh, and you'll be able to interact with other players, and that's how the game is played. Oh, wow. Okay, so whereas before on Nick Arcade, just like a refresh for everybody, the contestants were in this like blue screen stage, so to the audience it looked like they were in the game, but to them, they saw blue screen. You're saying with this, the contestants will also feel like they're in the game. That's correct. See, see, the audience, you, you said it perfectly. Um, the, the, the contestants on Nick Arcade had to rely on looking at themselves on several monitors that were strategically placed all around the soundstage. Right. Any actually had to touch, climb, hold, swing. That was actually there built on that soundstage blue screen. But, of course, it was painted blue. So when you saw, like, the kid climb the tree... Um, there was actually kind of a peg ladder painted blue. You'd climb up it, and, of course, they would digitally superimpose over it a coconut tree. Right. You know, when you grab onto the railing, there was actually a a, a, um, uh, a pole that was pulled back, and if you put your hand in the right spot, then it would extend across. So when you saw them grab the pole and swing across the river, there was actually a pole they were grabbed onto, but... But what you saw, on, you know, was something else. But they were always fighting the idea of they looked around. All they saw was this blue set. Now, imagine if you look around and there is um, a meteor coming towards you. If you look to the right, you will see a meteor coming towards you. Nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> horrifying, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's also, I think, is a cool level, uh, new dimension to the gameplay. Because it's one thing. Look, we've all played video games, and we saw whatever thing coming after us or something happened. And while we're sitting there holding our controllers, looking at our computer screens or looking at our TV screens, we want, ooh, and that's okay. That's cute and everything. Right. But imagine you see something, like, coming towards you. Imagine you have to play the game, but now you are emotionally and physically reacting to what you perceive as a real threat. Right. Oh, that's great. As as the name implies that James so awesomely came up with, it just takes it to the nth level. I love the name for that, too. Like, when I when I saw the name nth level, I was kind of like, that feels like a name that this show should have, nth level. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, not quite a pun or something, but it it, it plays on that, the level thing and taking it to the to the next step. I love the name. Oh, I, you know, and I think, I think the way James said it was, he was looking at some old promos that I'd done for Nick Arcade. And one of the, one of the promos, I remember saying, um, we've taken you to the next level. And he goes, well, we already took you to the next level. What's beyond that? And that's it was the inspiration for calling it the nth level. He, he went back and took a look at a lot of the things. because, And again, and the thing I want to make clear for folks is that this is not a reboot 
uh, of Nick Arcade. Right. Um, you know, um, what, and what, what, what we mean by the spiritual successor, I, I, so I was doing an interview and I, it just, just came to me. It's kind of like the way people compared Guardians of the Galaxy to Episode 4, Star Wars, A New Hope. Right. They're not the movie, but when you watched it, you got that feeling. You know, it, 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 it took some of the tropes that were that were in Star Wars as a, as, as a space opera and just did it bigger and better. You had that same camaraderie. You say that had that same humor. You were traveling the galaxy and, and dealing with, uh, you know, alien beings in a futuristic, you know, uh, place or, 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 or not future in an alien place. But yet it was his own thing. And so that's kind of like what this is. This isn't a Nick Arcade reboot. It's something entirely different. But when you're experiencing it, your brain will go, oh, my gosh. If you've never heard of Nick Arcade, well, you see Nick Arcade once and didn't know that we were connected. If you didn't know it was the same people doing the show, you would go, wow, this reminds me of. But it's totally an thing. It's, it's almost like yeah. a, a jumping point for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Nick Arcade, Nick Arcade is a cassette tape player. This right here is an iPod 6. I love it. I love that. That's a great analogy. (laughs) You know, we've talked about how the show will be different in terms of like the technology versus Nick Arcade. In what ways would it be similar? I mean, uh, obviously, it it sounds like you're back on board to host, right? I'm on board to host. Um, We're going to have, we've involved Andrea Lively, who is the uh, Nick Arcade's announcer. But, you know, like all of us, we've all grown. We all have new skill sets. We all can do more than just what we used to be able to do. Right. Uh, Andrea will be involved in a a producing area also. So she's going to be a lot more involved because she's actually an extremely, incredibly creative person. And, um, you know, like I said, as you evolve and grow up and you get new skill sets, you want to be able to express those and do those things. So she'll be involved in, in, in a lot of the things with respect to, you know, game content. She gives a fresh set of eyes. She, you know what it is in a weird kind of way? She's like our penny because, you know, she plays like this different. She's not, she's not a Sheldon. She's not a Leonard. But, I mean, she's like a breath of fresh air and a creative um, a dynamo. Um, me, I'm just the, I'm the Ritalin poster child of it. And, and I and I and I host, um, uh, but I also have been working for the last 15 years as a producer on a variety of different things out here in California. Television shows, you know, I was a producer up until the demise of G4. So I thought that was that was like the most, I don't know, the surreal thing. My career started out. The very first thing I ever did in television was host a game show about video games. Right, and then. And then up until 2013, I was a producer and writer for the video game show channel. You know? Nice. Like, it becomes full of a concert. Like, I could, I, my bucket list check is done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you're getting back involved with the video game show. But the way, it's, the, way that, the things you'll find familiar or similar is, is it's a game show dealing with gameplay. Of video games. Some of the games like Nick Arcade were originally created for the show and then other games were games that you could buy at your local store or download. So th- this show will have the same thing. There are going to be games that will be original created games that aren't licensed to a particular video game manufacturer and then there'll be games that you are indeed familiar with. The other thing that's going to be familiar is we're going to um, we're going to cover the, the whole 
history of, of in, a, in a way, of video games. Because not only will we be, you know, playing games that are steadier games that are, you can go buy right now or games that will be coming out and we'll have them on the moment that they come out, but we're also going to mix it up and you may find yourself one day in a competition and you're battling Star Fox or you're working with Sonic or you're yes. doing Mario. So and, and it, that the cool thing about that is it'll level the playing field and keep it fair. It's like if you think you can practice all day long on Halo and Arkham Knights and whatever else might be up there, well, you know what? You better make sure that you're boned up on Super Mario Kart 64. Because, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, what could be thrown into the mix? So you can't just sit up there and go, yeah, I play all games all day long. I got it down. I have an Xbox One. I have a PS4, blah, blah. Yeah? Well, do you have a Super NES? Because tomorrow's game might feature, uh, tomorrow's episode might feature a game from that console. So you're making people do their homework. Exactly. (laughs) So it's going to be excellent, and it's going to be the coolest looking thing ever. And, you know, again, having Andrea and I back involved, and even some of the other people who work uh, on the staff and crew are involved. Names that you wouldn't know unless you watch the credits roll off of the old Nick Arcade episode. Those people are involved. People who really uh, love doing games, like game shows in general, and then people who also love gaming. So this is going to be a show inspired by fans, created by fans of gaming. Arcade just had this fun spirit and vibe to it. Like, you tuned into that show, and it just felt like you were at a party with these video game things everywhere. Is it still going to have that kind of tone, or is it going to be more of a serious, darker tone? Or Here's the thing. I, I think the answer to your question, both of your questions, is yes and yes. Because, <laughs> because it's like, because... The game, this isn't like a Nickelodeon game. This is like for us. This is a game created like by us for 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 us. And when I say us, it's like y'all, the fans, the people who love everything about Nick Arcade and maybe who people who maybe not have watched the show but love gaming and would love to do something bigger and better. Okay, so Games nowadays, like on Nick, Nickelodeon, on Nick Arcade, we were never able to have a game in which, you know, you would never have Finish Him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you had to go with the lighter fare, Monsters in My Pocket or something. Yeah. Hi, this is little Timmy from Spokane, Washington. You hit the Wizards Challenge. Now Finish Him. <laughs> never because of the, 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 the nature of games nowadays, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stack the deck with the biggest and the baddest stuff. We're going to put in the things that people are used to playing and that they want to see. But of course, there's nothing that I can be involved with that's not going to be fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I mean, I might not be walking around going da 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 I might not be doing that. No, you've got to do that. It will probably be a brand new Fillmore remix in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. Look, because you know what? You know what? Because I do that anyway. I bug the heck out of my family. See, th- let me tell you the biggest thing that, that that's interesting about me. It's like I I wasn't I, – I'm not like this because I was on TV. I was on TV because I'm already like this. <laughs> so, that's great. So it's just kind of like well, – I remember my parents looking at me going, well, finally, a place where you can make money for this craziness. <laughs> Such a natural fit for you. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, thank goodness Jason Guerrero created the show. So um, so it's, it's going to be fun just because 
that's my nature. I mean, and 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 I also understand uh, the idea of like tension. Like, I'm not going to sit up there and and if we're in the middle of a uh, let's say a game that's being played is some type of um, major epic and battle, and and in the in the video world, in the video game world high stakes right. for whatever that means in the gaming world. I'm not going to sit there and go, will you shoot his head off now or will you end up in the grave? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to be there going, you know, like, oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Dude, you're going to die. If you don't find a way to get through whatever, so-and-so is going to take your head off, hold it on a stick, and go to the next level. You better figure out a way to... You know what I mean? It's like, it'll be appropriate for whatever. But at the same time, when there are moments that have fun, if somebody does something yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous... Well, I hope at least that you'll sing for the victory music when somebody wins the game. <laughs> You know, um, it's funny. You know, it, I think it will pro it'll totally be inspired by wherever the, whatever the song is because, I mean, that was the origin of the original songs. The original story behind the songs is this. I never used to do it when the show first started. As a matter of fact, if you watch Nick Arcade in order, now they have these new DVDs out. There's a DVD box set that has uh, six game shows in this DVD box set. Um, they've got Legends and Double Dare and and Figure It Out Guts, Super Sloppy Double Dare, Nick Arcade in like a, in like a, a six DVD box that they you can get like on Amazon for ten bucks. Guys, got to check it out. It's yeah. real. Just launched like like two or three weeks ago. Oh wow! Thing, watch if you watch Arcade in order. The first few episodes, I didn't do the songs. The songs came out of a technical malfunction. Something happened on the show, and we were into a technical hole. We have a studio audience of two, three hundred kids there. We had an audience warm-up person. You know, at the time, I was a stand-up comic, so I was used to dealing with loud crowds. I'd done audience warm-up myself. And, you know, again, it's all about the fans. It's all about making sure that everybody who's experiencing anything with Nickelodeon and with us enjoy themselves. So while we had this technical hole, I went over with the, um, with the, the audience warm-up guy, and we were just having fun with the crowd to keep them pumped up, to keep them entertained. Because we knew we didn't know how long this 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 technical hole was gonna last. Right. Meanwhile, the audio guy decided to play in the background just as ambiance music, some of this music for Nick Arcade. You know, there's like four or five different songs. There's, you know, the the end theme song, there's the show open theme song, there's the going to the commercial song. I mean I don't think it'd be realized if you really think about it. It's the same song, but just variations of it. You know, like when we come back from a commercial. I mean, when somebody's playing a game. It's like it's different. He was just playing all the songs in a loop. And I think the technical hold was about maybe a half hour. And I'd just been hearing the music for Nick Arcade over over <laughs> Oh, God. And so I actually said it to my microphone to the producers in the control room. If I ever hear that song again, I'm actually going to, like, pull my hair out. You guys are going to hate the fact that you made me listen to this song over and over again for the next half, for the, for the last half hour. So when we finally said, got the all clear, we were going to go back to taping, went back over my position, the contestants were put back in their position, and when the song started, I made up words to it. And I really, could, to this day, cannot tell you what I said, but it was something in which I was being sarcastic to the producers in the control room. <laughs> they cracking up. 
Then when we went over to the video challenge, I made up a song like da na 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 na. Finally, we get to play again. You know, it was like it was making all of these references to how long we had been on this hold and listening to this song over and over and over again. Then we went to another commercial. And, you know, I, you know, like any good comedian, you know not to wear out a joke. After you do a joke a couple of times, it's been done and it's not fun anymore. Right. So when we came back out of the next commercial break, I didn't sing the song. I went back to business as usual. And all of a sudden I hear Paul and the executive producer came out of the control and went, hey, Phil, what happened to the song? I'm like, what do you mean what happened to the song? Those songs you were doing, yeah, I was just making them up. Yeah, well, we love them. Keep doing it. I'm like, oh. For how long? And he goes, until we're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a good quirk and such a memorable part of the show that it just it's so funny that it just started like that. And, and, and the weird thing about it is anybody who knows me, my friends and family know that I did what I always called the Fillmore remix. It could be a song playing on the radio and I would make up like just change the words and make it like almost like a whose line is in anyway sort of thing right before whose line is in it i would take a song i remember i remember one of the ones that my son <laughs> and, and, and my nephew remember was uh we were in the car and somebody passed gas and we had just seen jurassic park <laughs> just seen jurassic park <laughs> And all of a sudden, it was like, excuse me for, for my stonky, stanky, stankness. I mean, I did this, like, randomly anyway. <laughs> so it wasn't anything <laughs> unusual for me to take the tune of a song and make up my own lyrics to. I still do it to this day. So, like, every time your phone rings, you start singing along with the ringtone? It depends on if the, who it is. Because, like, you know, different people have different... Um, Different people have different ringtones. Like um, um, uh, my son, my son is a Star Wars fan, uh, and so his ringtone is the theme song. So when to 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 Star Wars. So when I hear when he calls me, I hear da 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 da, da and I'm telling you, there have been times when I've been at work and my phone rings and I go, "It is my son. He's calling me now." You know because <laughs> so yeah, definitely singing on the next or on improvising. <laughs> You've got to, really. <laughs> on Arcade, obviously, you know, we always saw contestants go on, but like on a rehearsal day or something, did you ever go in the video zone? Oh, yes. I mean, look, not only did I go in the video zone, the coolest thing about working at Nickelodeon in the 90s was that and you, you hear this word a lot, and I don't want to sound like I'm dumb on Fast and Furious, but really, we were all family, and we all, uh, we all, loved each other's shows. Um, I, I ran the video zone plenty of times, um, but I also climbed the aggro crag. What? Um, also, I mean, and we're not talking about doing a taping of the show, like doing a rehearsal while they're setting up. Like, hey, dude, can we climb the crag? You know? And we put on the harnesses and we climb the crag. Or while they're setting up Double Dare, listen, before you put the slime and gack in there, can I see if I can run the obstacle course? You know? We, we, and we would all do that. We would all do that with these other, with these other shows. It's like, okay, listen, I want to wear the blue iguana shirt and I want to see if I can run through the temple. I mean, we would do that. I mean, you know, and we would swap off. Mike would come over to my show. Mark would go over to, to Kirk's show. Kirk would come over to, 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 to Guts. It was like we all we were big kids we were grown up big kids playing in the world's most elaborate 
elaborate playground. So yeah, we did our own shows. I ran the video zones. I played the video games, and then I would go over and, like I said, um, you know, run the, the obstacle course or climb the crag just because it was there. <laughs> yeah, how could you not? And especially like you see the temple course, and you're just like nobody's looking. I'm going for it. I'm doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody, well, now listen. I kind of tell you though, with guts, it was different though because because of the safety harnesses, you needed to be harnessed up because if you fell from the crag, oh, you fell far. <laughs> <laughs> With Legends, the same thing. There was so much water in some of the games on Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like, if you slipped and fell, and you were, say, in your wardrobe for the taping of your show, or you were still wired up with the microphone, oh, oh, you would get in trouble. You know, so... (laughs) My game was the only clean game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just to show involved either some sort of, like, physical peril or, or mess. My show... It was a sterile environment. <laughs> yeah, no slime on Nick Arcade, you know, not even really, like, in the game or anything. Well, you know, you were saying, you know, one of the fun things to do around the studio was to, to hop on the sets of the other game shows. All the shows were taped at Universal Studios Orlando, so did you, like, go out into the park between sets? Are you riding back to the future if you had a downtime, or what? Oh, Look, God. not only did I do it, um, I was maybe... I was a bad influence on kids uh, sometimes <laughs> because I would look around like and go like like say on the taping when we, we you know I did a bunch of episodes of Figure It Out and and the, the thing about that show is that, like it was a family affair again because um my son was one of the Charade Brigade kids so on the show I was still there because I had to take my son to work you know <laughs> and there were, there were times where. We would like stop and go, okay, listen, they said we had 15 minutes. If we run over to like Back to the Future, you know, I would, I would, I would be talking to somebody like Danny Tamborelli and Kel Mitchell. Listen, let's go. We can ride Back to the Future. We're there and back again in 15 minutes. And like, well, I don't know, Phil. You know, we need to be here when they're ready to roll. Listen, they can't do the show without us. We're half the show. Let's go. So basically, you had the best job ever. Yeah. I'm the adult of the group, you know. <laughs> Telling the teenagers, no, it's okay. We'll be back in time. <laughs> Meanwhile, the stage manager, the producer, the executive producer, everybody's on walkie-talkies. Anybody got eyes on Phil? Anybody got eyes on Kel? Anybody got eyes on Danny? You know. It's like, Meanwhile, and of course, when we come back, we've been riding rides. We're all sweaty. Uh, you know, our clothes are all wrinkled. And, you know. but yeah, but because the, the cool thing was, we 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 people around people that worked at Universal Studios park theme park they knew who we were so you know we have to wait in any lines you could literally run to the ride and kind of go please oh please oh please and they would put us right on you could literally like lunchtime lunchtime was the coolest time because you could grab something to eat and as you're walking to the ride you know shove it down your throat drink your bottle of water and then spend the rest of your time just riding rides yes and like that would and we would do that all the time. Listen, to, to this day, if, if, I, if, I, if I was 90 years old and, you know, in a hospital with that thing on your face, you know, breathing like you see in movies and it's all, he's taking his last breath. And if somebody said, and one of you said, hey, Phil, by the way, what was the coolest job you ever had? I'd be like, <coughs> it had to be. Your final word would be Nickelodeon. <laughs> that would be it. There's a guy named Jeff Supton 
who was the host of the new Figure It Out. They they did a reboot of uh, Figure right. It Out a couple years ago. And Jeff Supton called me up one day and he said, hey, Phil, you know, I had my experience hosting a couple ga- game shows at Nickelodeon. And I got to tell you, no matter what I do, he did a show called Brain Surge, I think. And then later on, he did the new Figure It Out. And he goes, no matter what it is that I do, no matter how awesome the project is that he's on, there is always the shadow of us. And I'm like, what do you mean the shadow of us? I didn't host Figure It Out. He goes, it doesn't matter. You guys from the 90s, you're like, you know, you're like on Mount Olympus. Even though there's like, it's like, even though there's like no statues there, you would think that there were marble statues of like Mark Summers, Kirk Fogg, Michael Malley, Summer Sanders, and Phil Moore in the studios. Because when you walk in, you always feel like, I feel like he's like, it's like the ghostly Obi-Wan Kenobi going, use the slime, Luke. You know? <laughs> so what he did was, he, he has his own internet show called The Garage Show with Jeff Supton. And he actually did a reunion show where he hosted the show and he brought together for the first time in 20 years, Kirk Fogg, Mark Summers, and myself. Uh, Summer Sanders couldn't be there because she was in, she lives in Denver. Uh, Michael Malley was supposed to be there, but at the time we taped it, it was at the time in which um, uh, I think that the, the, they experienced the tragedy of the death on Glee, and Mike was uh, an actor on the show Glee, so he he couldn't be there because they were going to show itself was going through their grieving uh, at that time. But 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 Kirk, Mark, and I got together, and so if anybody wants to check it out, like check out uh, the the Garage Show with Jeff Supton. I think we're episode maybe two. I always wanted to go on the game shows. Like I didn't. I didn't yeah. Nick Arcade being you know pretty high in the list too. Probably Nick Arcade number one and Temple's uh, second, but. I definitely had a better shot if I had gone in a carcade. Look, look, my son, his number one show was Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. <laughs> Not that show. <laughs> his number one show was Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, my, oh my gosh. And of course, being, being, work, you know, being who I was, he got to meet Kurt. And then eventually, like I said, he ended up being uh, 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 part of the, 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 the cast of Figure It Out working as a charade brigade. But, um, so it's okay. You don't have to say Nick Arcade just because it's <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to be realistic. I never would have made it across the moat in uh, Temple. <laughs> but beating Sonic 2, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought so what, that Nick Arcade, I had the best shot. Let me let me ask you a question. Were, were both, both of you, both, both you and Lindsay, what were the things that you watched that were not just the things you wanted to be on, but were your favorite things to watch on Nickelodeon back then? Probably like, you mean, can't do that on television. She's uh-huh. Cana- she's Canadian, so that explains that one. Uh, okay. Awesome. I got the YTV bootleg Nickelodeon television, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, get it any way you can. I am not mad at you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, for me, it was always the game shows and then probably like Clarissa and Pete and Pete were, you know, like the, my regular show shows on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my regular show shows were, um, it's funny because I watched a lot of shows. I was a big fan of Wienerville. Mm. Um, and Mark V, Mark Wiener was, because I, I, I think I mentioned, I, I started out as a stand up comic and Mark Wiener was a stand up comic and he would do 
at clubs the same thing with the puppets and the fingers that eventually he was able to pitch to Nickelodeon and make it a show. Yeah. So I was a huge fan because I thought it was the most unique stand-up comedy that I'd ever seen way before it became a Nickelodeon show. So I was a huge fan of Wienerville. I was a huge fan of Rugrats because at the time I was in the arcade, I'd just become a new dad. I had a, I had a baby at home, and um, or a toddler, I should say. I, I, was, I had a toddler at home. And so I was, I was, at that moment in time of hosting Nick Arcade, I was living the life of Stu Pickles. You know? <laughs> well, I guess to loop back around to nth level, um, you mentioned your son. What does he think about the new project? Oh, my gosh. Um, he, he is like most, he's 26 years old. And like most um, young adults in their, you know, in their 20s, they are the most technical savvy people on the planet. And so he is he's hyper jazzed about the idea of doing a TV show that features all of the state of the art stuff. He's like, oh my gosh, that is like I could put on the outfit and I could be Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> if if we design a Gollum program, yes, you could be Gollum, you know? Um, so he's really, really excited about it. I mean again, if it's state of the art, if it's high tech if it's something that's, you know, a prototype or something, he knows all about it. And so the idea of, of you know, doing a show that he can consciously relate to. Because he didn't become, I guess, consciously aware of things until he got like around, you know, five or six. You know, he would look at dad on TV and it's just dad, but he wasn't aware of what was going on. I tell you what he did like. He did like the fact that we had every video game system in our house. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. Oh my gosh. Like the doorbell would ring and it'd be FedEx and they'd be like, hi, package from Nintendo. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so he like, yeah, we had, and, and at the time we were, we were living in Florida, you know, we had like, you know, a, a five bedroom house, not five bedroom, a five room house, three bedrooms. And like um, every room had TV, TV, one room had two TVs just to accommodate the other game system. <laughs> we, nice. we, had, we had, because sure, we could have put the switcher and flicked the switch, but no, we didn't want any <laughs> switcher. What if I wanted to play this one and you wanted to play that one at the same time? So we had, you know, multiple TVs. So what, what is the, um, What's the outlet for Nth Level? Is this going to be on a, on a network? Is it going to be a Nickelodeon again? Is this um, like Netflix? That's that's not a me. That's not a me question um, because uh, um, the 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 promotion of it, the distribution of it, that's all being handled as the cliche goes by powers greater than me. Right. Um, <laughs> why we're doing the Kickstarter? It gives us this freedom to make the show that we want to make, uh, as opposed to being able, having to make the show that they, meaning whatever corporation wants us to do, uh, and try to fit it, try to fit our square peg into their round hole. By doing the Kickstarter, we can create the show and, and bring to life the vision, and then the details of then where it's going to air, that'll be worked out, you know, when, when the show is in the can, when, right. we do, when we do the episodes. So that's the whole purpose of this. It's to get the studio... It's to get the, the, the staff. It's to um, create the technology. I mean, let's face it. This is a labor of love, but we all have, we, we all have you know, rent to pay and mortgage to pay. You know, so right. it's to cover the cost of paying the staff, 
and to, to deal with uh, paying the studios, the equipment that's going to be involved. Um, because to shoot, a t to, to shoot a TV show, as you know, you need a studio, you need lights, you need cameras, you need wiring, you need technical people that can operate all of the, the aspects. You need a director. Uh, you know, all of those things that are involved in, in making a TV show. But then once we get the show made, you know, and it's not like after. After isn't really the right word because things are going on simultaneously. When the show is being done, the, working out the best home for it will be in negotiations also so that when the show is done, we will know where it's going to land. Right. Um, wherever it lands, I can tell you this, that there will also be an online component also. So we will have an online component no matter where the show lands. How can people get involved? I mean, you mentioned Kickstarter. We want to send some people there. Yeah, just go to Kickstarter. Uh, if you, if you, the easiest way to look it up, go type in Kickstarter, then type in Nth Level, E-N-T-H-L-E-V-E-L. Boom, it'll bring you up to the page. As a matter of fact, James and Garim have recently redesigned the page. They've added some new graphics. They've done um, some more stuff to um, help explain um, what the show is going to be about. Uh, as a matter of fact, while you, while the three of us are speaking, uh, uh, there actually may be new information on there that I don't even know yet because every time I turn around, they are putting more on there to make sure that um, there's some clarity of what's, what the show is about. Um, some clarity as, as what our objective is going to be, uh, how the games will play, and, and, and where we stand with respect to um, the, award, the rewards that we'll give to people who support the project. Um, right. And I think it was said uh, best by James who said, this project was inspired by the fans. Um, and the only way to get it off the ground the way we know the fans will appreciate it is with the support. Of the yeah. fans, because you know, like I said, we could or they could simply go to a network and go, "What do you want us to do?" and maybe come up with some less awesome program, you know. Because again, you're going to have to deal with meeting the restrictions that get imposed upon you by various media outlets and network. But if we want to make the type of show that everybody says they want to see, then it's a project that we have to undertake on our own with the support of the fans. Now, I know Mikey's obviously not going to be in the Nth Level show, but are we going to see like a little cameo or a little nod to him at all? Well, here's the thing. I live in a world in which I love knowing stuff, but at the same time, I can't stand spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. If, it were, if the answer to your question was yes... I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Wink, wink. <laughs> okay. I just sleep like that. Now, you can't go and say Phil said no, but at the same time, if the answer was no, I wouldn't tell you. But if the answer was yes, I really wouldn't tell you. Because, right. you know what I mean? Don't yeah. you want to know? Don't you want to, don't you want to watch it go, uh, 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 you know? I actually, somebody asked me one time, what would, if you could do your own thing with Mikey, what would you do? And I would go, well, I would do like some really like I would do some 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 tragic story that 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 that, that parallels uh, uh, um, um, uh, Anakin becoming Darth Vader. You know oh, my mean? God, that takes a dark I, turn. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would do something. I would do yeah, exactly. I would do something like um, Sinestro. You know what I mean? Sinestro was a good guy in the Green Lantern Corps. Now he's a villain. You know? Can you imagine? It's like you're playing the game. All of a sudden, you turn around and you see that. What's the what's the guy's name? What's the, oh my gosh? Um, what was the guy's name in in the Incredibles? Um, um. Oh. I should know this, and I. Were you all oh picture him, and none of yeah. Right, but he was his name was he was like he was like Billy, but then he ended up becoming whatever, and he was Mister Incredible's ne- nemesis. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, now personally, this is just you and and the, and and us talking, okay? <laughs> if it were up to me, if it were up to me, I would tell James Agron what we need to do is like drop us like like drop a season finale cliffhanger where all of a sudden the big bad boss at the end we is revealed. And all of a sudden, you realize, oh snap, that's Mikey. <laughs> and, and, and and his response is, don't call me Mikey, call me Michael. You know, it's like <laughs> that is the ultimate twist. You know, oh it's like, hey, where's Mikey going today? Mikey's taking you to hell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would like really keep people tuning back. A game show with narrative. <laughs> So you have to like binge watch the show to find out where Mikey moves. I'm sorry, I was drawing a blank. In the Incredibles, it's syndrome. Yes. Okay. Now, now I can sleep. You know I wouldn't have been able to sleep unless I figured it out. I was about no. to Google it to be honest with you. <laughs> syndrome. Because he tells Mr. Incredible, oh no, I'm not Billy. That ship has sailed. Now I'm syndrome. <laughs> I'm picturing now, like, you know, does that change Nick Arcade now? Like, was the story really that Mikey was behind the video zone and the wizards worked for him and it was all just a front in the first place? See, see the backstory, you can go anywhere. It's, we can create our own avatar-type backstory with this, you know what I mean? Like, when the game was done, Mikey was supposed to be trained under the tutelage of the three game wizards. But, in, no, he was supposed to protect the realm against the evil game wizards. But instead, he fell into a kinship with them. And over the last 20 years, Murloc, Scorcha, and Mongo has been feeding his mind and twisting him and warping him. And now he's Michael! <laughs> That reminds me, like, when somebody would have to hit the start button, was there just, like, somebody offset at a computer would, like, kind of match? Or were they hitting a button? Well, here's the thing. The the trick that was so state-of-the-art with Nick Arcade, now remember, it's 1990, and none of this existed. It had to be created. The way that I got to explain it to people when I used to make appearances... In, in the 90s so that, that people could understand is probably the best way to actually describe it. Do you know how when you take your mouse on your computer or take your finger and slide it on your, your pad and you see the little arrow or whatever your cursor thing yeah. and it moves around the screen, right? And then when you click, clicking on the mouse or clicking on the button causes wherever the cursor is to activate something, okay? okay. We all know this. The program that made Nick Arcade work was James and Karim designed an original program to trick the computer to think the human body was the cursor. So they didn't click anything. The program, what you saw on your TV where you saw the start button was, all the person had to do was wave their hand in that spot. And if their hand, like the cursor, got into that area, it activated and triggered. Wow. Just like when you had to touch the orbs or whatever it was, if you put your hand in the right spot where that orb was, it's like moving the, the cursor into the right spot and clicking. 
So you actually were activating anything that happened in the game. And just like when you saw like the bad things come at you, if you were in like the school and they were throwing the food around, the food fight, you could see on the monitor if there was a, a piece of apple pie coming towards you and you needed to duck. Because if the apple pie crossed into the plane that was the cursor and the apple pie touched the cursor, boom, you know, you got hit. That still seems high tech by today's standards. I know, right? And this, you know, this is this is this is done with some duct tape and a couple of wires and some Commodore computer. <laughs> oh my god! It's like MacGyver the TV show, you know? Yeah. Oh wow! I can't wait to see what uh, you know what everybody comes up with for nth level. Then, if that's the kind of stuff they were pulling off two decades ago, this is going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing because you know what? There are no video gay game shows right now. There are no video game game shows. And I think prior to Nick Arcade, there was only, I think, maybe one or two others that I recall. I remember watching a video game before I got the, before I got the job as host. I remember watching a video game show where it was just question and answers and playing maybe a game. Right. And there was and then I remember there was a show that revolved computers that actually Ryan Seacrest hosted called Click. I remember that one. Um, but it involved computers, and everything looked like your answers and whatever you were doing looked like you were, like, you know how on Jeopardy, you know, they had the little blue screen in front of them? Well, on Click, everything looked like your questions, your answers, everything was coming over a computer. But nothing did what Nick Arcade did before or after. And so, and even right now, yeah. it's been all of these, and nothing has even tried to do what it did. Nowadays, you don't necessarily have video game television shows like Nick Arcade, but there's a lot of Let's Plays on YouTube, and Nintendo just announced that they were going to do the first Nintendo World Championship in 25 years this year. So I think it really yeah. speaks, like, you're really getting that audience, I think. Yeah. You know, the cool, I think what, it ha what has happened is every generation has their, their, their group of people that reach an age where they hunger for what's their nostalgia. You know what I mean? Right. Like for me, for me being the age that I am, I remember when I first met Lou Ferrigno because when I was a kid, I used to watch the Incredible Hulk TV show. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, so that was like a big, big, big deal. Um, I remember the first time that I met uh, Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because when I was a kid, that was a big, big, big deal. You know, yeah, and and, and I got to tell you, it wasn't a big deal when I was like nineteen. You know, it was Incredible Hulk was not a big deal when I was nineteen. Fred Rogers wasn't a big deal when I was twenty three. But all of a sudden, when I got like, yeah, I'm approaching thirty. Man, those are some cool shows when I was a kid. You know, and all of a sudden now you reach that place where that's your childhood, that's your nostalgia. You really now it's almost like <clears throat> once you reach the point of growing up. And you you kind of got your feet planted a little bit, and you're kind of you're not comfortable. You're not stopping. You know we're we're all still we are all still moving forward. We're trying to better ourselves and progress and move forward. But you reach a place where you kind of go, I kind of reached my first goal, and then you kind of sit back and you kind of and you can reflect the moment. And when you reflect, that's that nostalgia, and then your brain automatically automatically goes back to what's your nostalgia, and I realize now that I'm somebody's nostalgia now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, 
and that's really cool because I remember how I felt. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm like getting goosebumps, like reliving this now in my brain. That I was at a at a at a, at a car convention show. Uh, I was in I was still living in Baltimore, and I had gone back. I was I had moved away to college, and I come back just for the summer to visit, you know, the family. There was a car convention show. I hooked up with a couple of my buddies. We went to this car convention show. Special guest Lou Ferrigno. And I was like, oh, wow, that was really cool. And then I saw him, and he was still massive, and he was still huge, and he was still that same dude. And because he was he was different, but he was the same, you know? Right. And now that's, that's the coolest thing about being at making an appearance somewhere and having a six-foot-two, 215-pound man pick you up and spin you around where if I had met him back when I did the show – He'd be so shy, he'd be hiding behind his mom or dad's leg, and I'd have to get on one knee to come down to his level to shake his hand and say hi. And now this dude is picking me up, spinning me around. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you being, uh, you know, such a good sport about it, and you know, for sitting in on uh, on the podcast with us, and uh, so excited for nth level. This, I mean, this sounds like something very cool. Hasn't been done. Before, except by the people that have done it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the potential of what it could be. And, um, uh, man, oh, gosh, it's, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure talking to the, to the both of you. And, and, and I hope everybody listening, you know, has some fun. And if you ever run into me out on the street, I'm not one of those unapproachable guys. Say hi, you know. Uh, <laughs> So uh, you come over and say, what's up? You know, uh, I point your finger and go, you're the dude. And I'll go, yes, ma'am. You know, I just, uh, I really appreciate uh, all of the, all of the, uh, I appreciate all of the love and affection and just the fandom uh, from people who um, really got a cool kick out of the fact that I went to work. You know, so like, again, people go to the Kickstarter, um, follow, follow me on Twitter. It's, um, what is it? What is my Twitter? At Fillmore for you. Um, and then also at nth level. Uh, and um, listen, hopefully, with everybody's help, we'll reach that goal and get this thing up and running. Yes, it's exciting stuff. So everybody definitely check it out. I am so excited for this, too. And I mean, we really appreciate you taking the time and being so open. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. You two are awesome people. So um, <laughs> thank you. And to everybody, bye. And we'll see you. See you next on nth level. How about that? Yeah. Thanks once again to Phil Moore for being our guest. And if you want to keep up with Phil, he's on Twitter at PhilMoore4U. And Nth Level is just Nth Level. So be sure to check those guys out. And while you're on Twitter, be sure to follow us. We're at Pop Rewind Online. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Google+, God knows where else. And of course, PopRewind.com. Oh, you can't forget that one. No, not really. So thanks again for listening to everybody. Thanks again to Phil and... Until next time. Later. Bye. Pop. Rewind. Rewind. Com.